Gig Gab, episode 113 for Monday, May 1st, 2017. <music> Greetings, folks, and welcome to Gig Gab, the Working Musicians Podcast, the podcast by for and about working musicians. It's funny how it works that way. Here in Durham, New Hampshire, I'm Dave Hamilton. Here in Las Gatas, California, it's Paul Kent. You sound delicious today, Mr. Kent. Your audio is pristine. The internet gods are with us for a change. Uh, yeah, of course, I may have jinxed us by saying that. You just totally. I, I know I did. <laughs> screwed the pooch, I think is the technical term. Yeah, yeah. I got Murphy on speed dial, I guess. <laughs> yep, I did yeah. it. Anyway, how you doing today? I'm doing good. Good. good weekend of uh, both playing and listening to music. Oh, that's good. Yeah, it was really, it was nice. There's a, a lot of emotional waiver going on this weekend. I mean, we we did a charity gig Friday night, which was a, uh, I don't know if they have these where you are. The American Cancer Society does the Relay for Life. You sure. Know, people, yeah. yeah. So we did that Friday night, club date Saturday night. And then I went and watched a friend of mine uh, play at a winery. Oh, nice. Yeah. And so it was good. I mean, it was just, there was so much music. There was a lot going on. Some, some of the gigs were better than other gigs. <laughs> my buddy's gig, <laughs> my, Yeah, absolutely. My buddy's gig on, um, on Sunday, you know, it's really nice weather out here. And it was like one of the first outdoor things to go to. And, um, I've talked about him on the show a few times, you know, he, he tends to play these standards and, um, you know, he doesn't get terribly fancy about him. He plays songs that people like to sing along to. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. Well, that's the thing is, you know, I think he gets, he gets dissed. I've heard it, him dissed. Yep. You know, you know, in the same way that people diss a band that plays Sweet Home Alabama or, or Mustang Sally. But I'll tell you what, the place was full. Everybody was having a great time. Again, it was a beautiful day. He sang great. Yeah. And it was great. But I'll tell you, the, the interesting story about my buddy is he um, is playing with a couple guys now who are, A, really pro. I mean, they're very good players. They're very good in terms they have a ton of knowledge. Yep. They play exactly appropriate for the song and exactly appropriate for the environment. So this gig was acoustic guitar, bass, and drums. The drummer brought out a snare, a hi-hat, and a kick drum yep. and, and uh, use brushes or bundles the whole time. Yep. Bass player just played it a nice relaxed volume. He had good tone, but it was just right there. And, and whatever the leader did, my buddy did left, right up, down, you know, took a song this way. They just smiled and went along with it. There was never a, a strange eye cocked. Right. There was never, you know, it was ne- and, and so, you know, I, as a musician, I'm kind of watching this in that way. And um, one of the things I saw is it. my buddy put in a great performance because he never had that sense behind him that his band wasn't with him. Yeah, totally. Well, well I, I, actually, it's interesting that you say, yeah, totally, because you being an, a very learned and schooled musician, have you backed up people that, um, you know, they're not they're not technically perfect? Oh, of course. 
All right, yeah. So we start there. Yeah. I mean, my preference, my preference is to be the worst musician on stage, but well, some, but yeah. sometimes that's not the case. I'd say often that's not the case, my friend. But my point to this is, <laughs> I would say my point to this is, have you ever backed up someone who was just okay? Yeah. And in backing them up, have you have you noticed other musicians kind of raising an eye, you know, in backing this guy up, like all of a sudden creating a little bit of a of a well, we're the real musicians here, and and uh, and the guy in front, um, you know, yeah, we're. Right. Definitely. You know that vibe that I'm talking oh, about. I, I've I've experienced it. I've had it communicated to me. And while it's not the proudest thing I'm, I've ever said, I'm sure I have been in a scenario where I am the one communicating that vibe. Yes. So my bass player, Steve, is like the great one liner of all people I know. And he has this term that he steals from a sports analogy about a poison in the locker room. You know yes. what I mean? Uh, it, and that's exactly accurate. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And so actually to bring this all the way around, my buddy who is a very very good singer, he's an he's a solid workmanlike guitar player, you know, mostly strumming, very little picking. Um but he he has a, he's blessed with a very nice voice. Um sometimes, you know, he'll he'll count things in on the wrong bars. Sometimes yep. he'll he'll end a song on an on an awkward, you know, phrasing or something like yeah, that. Yeah, end it ended after three bars instead of four or whatever. Yep. Yeah, yep. <laughs> but but the thing was, these guys playing behind him were smiling and supportive, and they and he felt their support, and and I felt that it made him perform about twenty times better. He had no fear that behind him anything weird was happening. Yeah, the, and it was just the, very- ju- the judgment that obviously would have been happening was not being, you know, uh, communicated. Yeah. Right. I mean, and, look, and you know what if, this guy at the end ends, if this guy ends a song in the wrong place, those two other cats on stage totally know it, but they're not yep. going to, but they're not going to sell them out on stage. Well, the question is actually you, you, it, sell it out is one way to approach it. Yeah. The question is, does it matter? He's the guy paying. He's the guy who got the gig, you know? No, it, it doesn't matter except, uh, well, this is, so, so this is interesting. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm straddling a fence here. Um, in in the sense of playing the gig, no, it doesn't matter. Um, in the sense of coming into it as a like a schooled musician or whatever the term you want to use uh, with other schooled musicians on stage, sometimes and I bet it was happening, but probably far more subtly. You know, it, it didn't make it past the edge of the stage, or maybe even past the back of the stage. But those those looks, like yeah, okay. I, we both know we just ended that in the wrong spot, right? Yep. Okay. Long as like my sanity's in check. Well, you know, here, here's what I can emphasize with players want to play well, you know, so, mm-hmm. so, but um, like I said, there, and I'll give you a better example. There was one time where there was an awkward ending to a song. Sure. And my buddy looked back knowing what he had done. <laughs> yep. And the look back he got was, it's cool. Let's go. It's cool. Let's go. Well, yeah. Changes the show. Right. Right. And that's how it that's how it needs to be. It, 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 acknowledgement is different from turning it into a negative thing. Right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. So that was actually like, again, he's my buddy and I really yeah. enjoy watching him do what he does. And um, and it was just nice to see him have that you know total relaxation that that he wasn't having to fight his own band to get where he needed to be. And at the end of the day, it was a full house of people really having a good time. And that started to feed back into his performance. Oh, it, it definitely it, does. 
there, there you go. And so th- and that's the thing is, you know, if in, in our audience, I'm sure people who listen to us, there is a very common mix and we'll just use it broadly schooled and non-schooled musicians. Most cover bands have people of varying degrees of experience all the way to, you know, semi-retired professionals to total hobbyists. Sometimes you're bound by the people who are in your community that you can get to play together. You know, it's, you know, whatever the situations that pull people together are, music is one of those things where you're going to get a wide range of experiences and skills. And, and demographics and too, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, and I, which I like. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I'll say I, what you're experiencing or what you're talking about here, uh, isn't necessarily defined by who is more or less schooled. And and I'll share a story. When I joined the responders in Connecticut, it was a four-piece, two guitars, bass drums, playing Beatles, Stones, some Motown, Tom Petty, that kind of thing, right? Definite, definite uh, like, pro band, good vocals, and they wanted to swap out their drummer. So I got the gig. And I think I was probably, like, if you look on paper, I was probably the most schooled musician on the stage, but my friend Keith, who was probably the least schooled musician on stage, was definitely the leader of that band. He knew what he wanted and he didn't, he was great at cueing things on stage. Uh, and after, after a time I got, you know, like you do, you learn that language of rock and roll with people. Right. But, um, but initially I was having trouble reading what he wanted. He was frustrated the rest of the band was frustrated. They're like, no, you're not playing the grooves right. And that stuff gets into your head, especially in the middle of a gig. For sure. And and so it totally shook my confidence for several gigs until one show when I was just like, you know what? Screw it, man. I'm just going to play. I'm not going to worry about what they're going to say. I'm just going to play these songs the way I think they should be played. And then at the end of the gig, we can talk about it. We weren't two songs into the set. And they were like, finally, you figured it out. Like, crap, I could have done this two months ago. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it was that that, you know, that that shaken confidence coming in. Like, I don't know what you want. I don't know what you're telling me. It doesn't make sense. And now I'm not playing confidently, which really what they were telling me in so many words was we want you to come in and play confidently. Yeah. Yeah. But but that that's very hard. When someone's telling you, dude, no, 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 just be confident. You know, <laughs> it's, it's not. Well, you know, and that's a good point. Sometimes this is not always a question about experience or not experience. Right. It's a, it's a, it, sometimes it's about communication. Right. Mm-hmm. But I would say this, you know, especially be wary of those guys who, um, uh, who express their dissatisfaction overtly. I mean, you know, my thought is this. It, all, it, it should all be constructive and it should all be positive and it should all be encouraging, you know, it's it, a naughty word. <laughs> well, yeah, but I, I'm well, with you. I agree. I, well, I, how about this? The stage is never, ever a place yeah. to to communicate dissatisfaction in right. any way. Right. It, it's a it's a it's a really bad thing. No. And, then, and it, it just makes it get worse and worse. Absolutely. And yeah. then even in the rehearsal room. I would say it never goes well when you point a finger in the rehearsal room. Yeah, right? I, I, I disagree with that. Um, I mean, sometimes it needs to happen. Sometimes the only way to be productive is to point out what someone is not doing correctly. No, 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 no. What I'm saying is, is the manner in which you point that finger actually matters quite a bit. Okay. Yes. So, uh, of course. So, Tactfully. So, yes. Yeah. If it's like, dude, you got to stop doing this. That's yeah. not going to work. 
right? Well, it, again, it, it it depends on the the person to whom you're saying that, and the and the environment. If it's if the environment is a trusting one, and you can be efficient like that, that's awesome. In fact, but it has there has to be that trust walking into the room. Yeah, yeah. So a band that's been together, you know, ten minutes versus ten years, uh, perhaps that you know trust level versus. Uh, you know, blunt honesty. There's a, there's a balance there. Well, I've heard these discussions. We have to be able to be blunt with each other. That usually is benefits the person who likes being blunt, right? You don't have to be blunt with each other. If if, if being blunt is not communicating effectively to the person who's supposed to be receiving your message. So I I would actually say, I would actually. But beating, beating around the bush does not usually doesn't get things done. It's just much simpler to say, Hey man, um, don't play so loud there. Or, uh, you know, hey, man, uh, I need you to simplify what you're playing there. Like that yeah. kind of thing. Like it, that. It's all you you earn the right through tact and trust. To, you know, that that is what de- defines but there, the there, amount of directness that you can have. Your desire to be direct might be at odds with someone else's desire to be respected. Yeah. But tact is part of it saying, tact. you know, you need to be softer there versus I need you to be softer there. Those are two very different statements. Very different. Right. They, they, they communicate exactly the same thing, mm. but they don't. One comes with a lot more baggage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it's interesting. But, you know, where I will. And of course, I just spent uh, this past weekend doing what I'll call a, a relatively traditional theater gig. And sometimes on stage, you absolutely need those those, you know, criticisms and adjustments and things to just happen. There's you, you can't avoid that. It's like, nope, I need you quieter here. Okay, fine. Yeah. No problem. And it it can't be a tactful, hey, man, can we go get a beer and talk to you about this? You know, it's like, no, I need it to happen right now. And we're also in the middle of this thing. So I'm just going to tell you. And you got to be cool with that. Got to be cool. You know, it's just that's how a it very is. directed situation. Right? Yeah, it, it is. But when you work with I've found that when I've worked like on a rock stage with cats that are used to that that environment uh, in theater or wherever it, that efficiency is never taken with offense. It's just like, okay, yeah, no problem. You know, but, yeah. uh, but that's, that's, you know, like, again, it depends on the people and, and all that stuff. I, well, so this brings up an interesting thought. Have, have you ever been in the situation where um, let's say the flip side where a gig is weird Right. Yep. Weird meaning a lot of different things. And you find yourself at the end of the gig questioning the gig. <laughs> Should I keep the gig? Well, no, it, I'm not talking about quitting a band. I'm just no. talking about like a certain situation, you know, like, you know, yeah, you have yeah. a weird night at a club. You have a weird night at a, at a theater show. Do you ever so, question everything? So, yeah. I, in, in fact, I have spent most of today and, and really the last few days questioning, asking myself this very thing. Because I just finished this this run, uh, it, it was a three night run at UNH, uh, and it's a one you know one weekend thing. We rehearsed uh, Wednesday, Thursday. We played Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then we're actually doing another show uh, at another theater on on Thursday, which is sort of out of the ordinary, but uh, it should be great. Now the thing is, I've done this. This is the fourth year I've done what they call their studio musical, and it's in this theater. They call it a small theater. It's probably about the size of like um, probably like mezzanine sized. 
Yeah. Right. So, you know, if you just had people standing in there, you could fit somewhere between 700 and a thousand people on the floor. Right. right. But it's not. It's a rectangular room. It's all uh, brick walls. So essentially a cement tent with a big wood floor and a, and a wood stage. The stage is up maybe about a foot off the floor. And uh, the stage goes all the way, almost all the way out uh, to the other rectangular, you know, to the other long or to the other short end of the room. It goes lengthwise, the long way through the room, through the center. And then there's chairs around three sides of it. Um, and then there's, you know, the back of the, the up totally upstage is where we put the band. This is a big room. You and I have both played uh, full on rock gigs in clubs, easily half this size, if not smaller. And we always, always, always would have. Uh, in fact, before I say what I'm about to say, when you talked about your friend that, that you saw this weekend, right? He had his drummer played with brushes and, and rods, kept it real quiet. Everybody kept it quiet. Was your friend singing into a microphone? Yep. See? Right. So that because that makes sense. Um, in this theater, for this production, they don't use microphones on the singers. This oh. is a huge room. There's drums, keyboard, and guitar every time. That's generally the lineup that we, that we have for this thing. And, uh, and so we do the first night and this has happened four times in a row. Uh, we do the first night opening night, Friday night, and we know we have to keep it soft. So I'm playing brushes and rods, right? No question about it. Uh, we do the first night at the end of the first night, somebody that was in the crowd, usually that's, that's involved in, in the production, uh, will come up and say, okay, we got to bring the volume of the band down. And I'll hear it from friends that come to these gigs. They're like, oh, yeah, you know, uh, great show. But there were a lot of moments where you can't hear the vocals. So now night number two, the volume is half of what it was the first night and volume number three, night number three, it's, you know, down half again. And to the point where it's almost like we're not playing. And why on earth? Why not use wireless mics? See, that's my question. Is like this is a solvable problem, and also we're at a university where. But why would you want to risk your your singer? I mean, unless these guys are trained opera singers or something like that, why on earth would you mm -hmm. would you want to risk your singer's chops? Yeah, so these are all really valid questions, and these are the questions that I've been asking myself. Like, why? Like, and the gig is great. I love theater gigs that are one weekend. Most people don't. Most people prefer to learn a show and then go play it for four weeks because you get paid you know, four times or whatever, however many times you play it. Um, for me, my schedule doesn't work. I couldn't possibly do a theater gig that, that, you know, I mean, I've done it when it's awful, you know, in terms of just scheduling my life around it. So I like these one weekend gigs. They pay um, relatively well, uh, certainly compared to other theater gigs here. It's easy. It's literally five minutes from my house. Load in and load out is cake. The people that I work with are stellar, right? But this sound thing, and it ha and, and, and the frustrating part is when I play the, the fall musical, that's in the theater above this one, huge theater, 800 seat theater. Everybody is mic'd, but the people that they have running the board are students, which they should be, but they're not trained by someone that understands how to set up a board for a theater show. So they're trying to mute and unmute 25 channels all night long. And that doesn't work. You need to set up scenes in the board. So there's this consistent thread of everybody that comes to these shows says, gosh, the show is good, but yeah, the sound, you know, and, and I've talked, so I've talked to the music director about this. Cause I, I said, I, in fact, when we sat down last night, I said, okay, there's a pattern here. Like this keeps happening. We should put up a shield in front of the band. Right. And uh, he's like, yeah, I don't know if we own one. Like, oh, okay. 
Right. I'm just offering potential solutions, you know, or we could mic the people. I know we own the mics. And, and he said, yeah, you know, it's it's not that type of a show. And I'm thinking, well, but we're inviting the public to come to this. It's not like we're giving everybody a ticket along with a disclaimer like, yeah, you know, we're we're, we're just we're not able to go the the extra yard here and 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 get the sound right for you. So we apologize and we appreciate you buying a ticket anyway, you know. And it's frustrating to be a part of something, especially from somebody like me, who's, you know, every other gig I do, I'm the sound guy. So right. I know how to solve these problems. And it's and and I and when I am in charge of that, I take pride in making sure it sounds good and people know that about me. And so to have people come up and I know they know it's not my fault, but still they get this bad experience. And that kind of sucks. So I've been asked. So to circle all the way back around to the thing that you asked me five minutes ago. Yes. I have been asking that question, like, is it worth keeping this gig knowing that I'm going to go in frustrated about this? So we had a gig on Saturday night that um, it was a club date. Uh, It was a club we've built a good audience over years um, and we had a good audience again. Oh, and I should say. Uh, it was very nice. I met a nice guy who's a gig gab listener huh. from the band on the record was there. He brought his band to check us out and nice. he came up and said hi afterwards. That was kind of cool. Um, it was, um, there were four or five things that I can point to. I put in the set list, some songs we hadn't played for quite a while. And remember I do put the set list out for the band. It's not like they walk in and that's the first time they're seeing it. I, I try to give them at least yeah. a couple of days, but there, there was some, there were some, you know, long forgotten gems that I brought back in. Um, everybody had something, right? Steve, our bass player, was having some strange cramps in his hand. Um, there are a couple songs that were started incorrectly. Um, all the singers, at least once during the night, uh, flubbed a line. Sure. Um, the horns were a little late on a couple things. There was enough. There was enough, and much more than usual. Hmm that um, this felt weirder, right? Yep. And and you have those gigs, right? I mean, that's a normal thing in the progression of playing as a band. Sometimes it just, no matter what, it's just going to happen. You know, and that's act, actually the, my, the point that I'm getting to is like, I, I didn't think much of it. I was like, oh, well, not our best one. It's kind of the <laughs> right, way I felt. Not our best one. Yeah. You know, Can't let, wait move. to do the next one. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Let's move on. But it was interesting for me to kind of hear the... Um, the varying perceptions of crankiness uh, coming out of it. So, um, you know, one of the guys was pretty like, oh, that was not good. One of the, one of the guys was actually like, I don't, you know, why do we do this gig? I mean, there's always drunk people, you know, crashing into us. There's always, you know, we don't hear very well in this room and, you know, that type of stuff. Yeah. And, so he was he was having this thought that you're having. You know, why do we do this? And I, as a leader, was like, "Really? They pay. We asked for a raise. They paid that raise. Huh. Keeps us working in the winter time before you know we do all of our our stuff." And 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 the, and the concept that someone would say, "Why do we do this gig?" I I don't have many gigs that I say, "Why do I do it?" I mean, I'm, I'm you know try to put us in a good situation wherever possible. I would consider this, a, you know, it's a club gig, right? We have other right. club gigs that have their, their own different types of weirdnesses and, you know, good things and bad things. But that that why why is a bizarre question to me. Um, and I, I actually take it really hard because it's like, all right, well, in the first place, my head goes as well. If all 
nine other guys are going to start weighing in on, well, this one I like, this one's, you know, this one I like, okay. You know, this is that whole democracy versus benevolent uh-huh. dictatorship. You'll never get anywhere, right? So I said, you know, I just kind of responded, hey, you know, it's gig. It pays. It's not a bad gig. Um, you know, there are better gigs, but, you know, people like us here and people go out of their way to see us and they appreciate what we do. And it's a chance to do what we do. And, um, you know, sorry if, sorry if you're not cool with it. And I was kind of moderately blunt about it. Yeah. You know, without being confrontational about it. But, um so okay, so I, we've we've dealt with this in fling, um, and and to to our detriment at times, where we'll start in with that kind of stuff, you know, where oh yeah, that club, the stairs, the you know, the the bartender is always mean to us, you know, the chef closes the door yeah, yeah, yeah. on us, right? That you can find these things about any gig, and what happens is. One person brings the one thing up and then it snowballs a little bit, right? It opens the floodgates. Absolutely. And everybody's minor little nitpick. Now you've got, you know, five people. A bitch session. (laughs) It it becomes a bitch session. Yeah, exactly. And and that's uh, on its own, separated from everything else that's relatively healthy, right? Like, oh, yeah, I hate that part about this. I hate this part. Ah, I'm with you. You know, whatever. Builds camaraderie. It's like, oh, yeah, we suffered through that together. You know, we're brothers here. That's how it works. And and that's fine. But what it took us a while to realize is exactly what I'm seeing with you here. The person in charge of booking the gigs and fling that was largely Mike and in in your band, that's you takes that feedback, even if he participates in it, takes that feedback in a very different way than everybody else does. And because I remember at one point, you know, we had gone like three or four months and we hadn't played this club that we were playing pretty regularly. And I just happened to ask at rehearsal, like, Hey man, you know, uh, how, how are things coming on dates for such and such? And he's like, Oh, I didn't think you guys wanted to play there anymore. And it was like, Oh crap. Yeah. Right. Like, and we all were like, we, we knew, I mean, we're smart people. We remembered the bitch sessions, you know, whatever. We knew exactly why this happened, but we were like, Oh dude, sorry. You know, total miscommunication on that. And and so now we've learned to to talk about and and if we have our bitch session, that's great. But then it's okay. what is the verdict here? Like, is this are we just done and everything's good or have we made a decision that this place is off the list? And simply having that clarification made all the difference in the world. Well, I'd I'd actually take that one level further. So in, in a in a leader led band. You bring up a really good point. The leader hears these things very differently. And I know in my case, I take them very personally and I have to actually check myself right. and remind myself that it's not always intended that person. No, so, it's not. In, in fact, it may not even have been meant for your ears in right? in the sense of that. I'm going to take the leader out of it because in Fling, if we do have a leader, it's not Mike. Right. But Mike is the one in charge of booking. So it, it didn't matter. Who was the leader? It's who's in charge of booking, which obviously in your band is the same person. But uh, but yeah, it 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 makes a difference. And it's like, oh, yeah, sorry. And we're always appreciative of of the gigs that Mike books and we thank him and all. I mean, all of that stuff that hadn't changed. But he was like, oh, okay, the guys don't want to play there. Well, I mean, that's easy to solve. I just don't have to pick up the phone. (laughs) Yeah. So um, I I would say uh, it's good for band members to understand how the leader hears things, right? Totally. You know, yes. that, that's an important part of the two-way communication. Yep. 
Um, well, cool. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm trying to decide how to deal with this thing with this theater gig because I walked out of there last night and, and you said, you know, your guys were asking you, why do we do this gig? Uh, I know why I do my theater gigs. I know why I do every gig that I do that. That's to me, that's actually an unfair question to ask of someone else. It's the right question to ask of yourself, right? Get it answered. And then ask the next, the follow-up question, uh-huh. which is why don't I want to do this gig anymore? Right. And, and I really did. I walked out of there and we had a good, I mean, we played really well. Everything was good. Loadout was easy. I mean, I was literally walking to get my car. My drums were packed up five minutes after we finished the last note. I mean, it's just yeah. easy. Right. And I'm thinking, and still on my way to the car, it was like, you know, this gets less and less fun, even though everything else about it is like on paper. It's awesome. And again, the people are great, but it's like this sound thing really gets to me. Well, and to my experience, that question about about why is almost always directly if something's really fun, yeah. it usually even overcomes low pay. Right. Mm-hmm. Fun usually wins the day. Usually so wins the day. Right. Yeah. Uh, so if someone's not having fun, that seems to be the sensitive thing. And I yeah. guess that's what this band member of mine was saying to himself yeah. that, you yeah. know, being crashed into, you know, not being able to hear enough was not fun. That's it. I can, right. I can get that. Um but again, to me, it, it's not that much different than the other club dates we do. Yeah. There's something going on here that, you know, warrants yeah. additional conversation. And for me, I, I fully understand that, you know, I came off of a weekend doing Bitter Pill, which is really a, a theater show about a rock band. I mean, it's 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 more just a rock band putting on music that then performance art is is performed uh, to. So we could play you know, we, we were instructed to play not as loud as we wanted, but at full volume or normal rock volume. My monitor mix was the cleanest monitor mix I've ever had. I never took uh, even one ear out. I mean, it was just pristine. And so coming from that into this thing where it's like, okay, the uh, sound disaster. Enjoy. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, yeah, that's kind of a stark contrast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like that. That other thing was more fun, even though that other thing paid less it was an hour away from home right. you know right <laughs> like on paper not as much fun but <laughs> <laughs> but you don't play the game on paper <laughs> you don't play this game on paper that's it yeah so god it's it and it, you know i could have and i have at a level had this conversation with the music director there you know this isn't necessarily dirty laundry everybody that comes to see the shows knows um but it's, you know, there's the politics inside the university, which I don't participate in uh, because I'm just a hired gun. I'm sure are are factors in why things are the way they are and all of that. So it's a but it's it's a frustrating scenario for everybody. But I feel like we just keep kicking this can down the road. And as someone who used to go and see theater shows at UNH and then stopped because of this. I know that it hurts the program in a, in that way anyway, which is, which is frustrating, but you know, yeah. whatever. I don't know. Hey, I wanted to tell you about um, my Friday gig. So I was, I was yeah. referring to this uh, relay for life. Um, it's an interesting one. There's a few different things. One is um, obviously it is not about the band, right? So these people are there. Right. So for those of you who don't know, it's the American cancer society. You sign up, you raise money um, by walking laps around the field. There's um, um, a, a ceremony where you're honoring survivors or, or, or those who have been lost. It's a very emotional, very intense thing. And they go all night long and um, 
all weekend long. Huh. And um, it's 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 a thing. It's it's a huge fundraiser for many communities. That's awesome, uh, raising money for a really good cause. The bands are uh, we've done maybe three, four of them in a, in a, in a few different towns, and um, even as big a band as we are, and the sound that we make. Um, I have found consistently that it's rarely about the music. The music is a nice thing kind of happening off to the side as the walking around the field comes past to the stage. Um, you know, you may see people dance a little bit to the, to whatever you're playing at the time, sure. but it is really very, the, the music is way down the list. Second, music, it's secondary at best. Yeah. At, at best. Right. And like I said, I, my interpretation of this is people who participate in this, this is not a celebration. This is not a party. This is a, remember and persevere, you know, type of environment. Yep. Um, so we play and the gig I think was uh five 30 to seven 30. We played about a 45 minute set and then they do a bunch of announcements on this, on our stage, gather people around. Then they kind of kick off the formal walking and away people go. So there's a few things. One is a, a good, a good band conduct lesson. Um, have you ever been in a situation where uh, you're not, people aren't really paying attention to you or you don't have much of a crowd and you play and there's nothing at the end. There's no clapping. There's, you oh, know, yeah, there's kind sure. of sound, right? Yeah. You make the joke about dropping the pin. Well, there you go. <laughs> and this is my point actually. So this actually really riles me. I think it's not good to acknowledge the fact that, uh, that there's silence. I, you know, I, I think it's, it's a, it's a, a blatant demonstration of, of professionalism. You play, whether it's one person listening to you across the hall, across the field, or a thousand people, I think you put on the same show and you, and you just, you just go and your uncomfort at there not being, you know, applause or attention or interaction is none. It, it takes away from that one person who is paying attention, sure. you know, for that matter, but that's actually a pet peeve of mine. So the, you know, you finish the song, there's no response. Somebody in the band, even if it's not on mic, although everything is technically on mic on stage, of course, pick up something. Right. And, and the crowd goes wild. That, that really, really bothers me. Isn't that interesting? That's interesting. Um, Cause I've, I've been in those scenarios and, and usually it becomes a bonding experience between the band and the one or two people that are listening. Hmm. Um, it, you know, you make the joke about the pin drop or, or the, and the crowd goes wild or folks look, hold your applause, you know, that kind of thing. Um, I've, I've never had it be a negative thing. Oh, it really, really gets me. And I would actually rather use that airtime, you know, to communicate positively, you know, constructively with the one or two that might be doing it or just do your thing. Uh, to me, I don't know any way to acknowledge lack of lack of an audience yeah. to turn that into a, into a, you know, a, a moment to demonstrate your professionalism. I, I've never heard it done in a way where I go, all right, that's clever. That's funny. Yeah. It always, yeah, like, we always, it it. always comes out more like it's your discomfort. Mm. You know, it, it's well, that person. Yeah. I, I, oh no, I can see that. Um, I, and that's actually the reason I do it is to keep everyone relaxed and comfortable, but because by, by sort of acknowledging it, if you don't acknowledge it, it becomes to me, it becomes the huge elephant in the room. 
right? It, especially if there's one person watching. If there's no one watching, that's different, right? But there's one person watching. Everybody knows that they're the only one paying attention, right? And that's fine. It, it, it you know, it's how, especially for a, a thing like this, you can almost expect it coming in or it's, it's on the realm of distinct possibilities as you walk in, right? So as you're saying that again, I value your, your opinion. So, yeah. so my thought is this is your opportunity to show that your band does what it does no matter what, right? Well, I'm not and saying you play differently. No, no, no. I'm not saying you play differently either. Okay. I'm saying you perform the same. No. And you just do your thing. You run your songs together. Um, you, you, you play your show. I just, I still, even as you're saying this and I'm, and I, you know, you, I trust, Yeah. I don't see, I don't see any value. I don't think acknowledging that elephant in the room. I mean, what does it say? Does it say your band isn't good enough to draw? No, it's entertaining. I, I mean, if, if I can make that person laugh in between songs, I'm doing my job. Hmm. Right. And I mean, that's true, whether there's one person or a hundred people or a thousand people like the, the what happens in between songs needs needs to be at some level engaging. Now, you're not always going to be able to do that, you know, and it's not going to be necessarily as engaging as when you're playing music. Sometimes it can be more engaging than when you're playing music, depending on the crowd. Right. I've never seen it be more. I've never seen it be engaging or more engaging. Like I said, most of the time when I've heard it, yeah. whether it came out of my band or any other band, it's more expressing that person's discomfort with the situation. So they're not owning it and turning it into a positive. Right. Right. They're, they're emoting a negative and making it twice as bad. I can, I can see that happening, but a pro, I, as a pro, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't make it about me and it being a negative thing. I would make it about, okay, here you are. Thanks for listening. You know, I, I appreciate the way you clap, sir, because I can really hear it. And, and it's, it's nice to be able to really kind of dial that in without it being drowned out by all the other people clapping. So keep that up. I really appreciate it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that kind of thing can be, can be helpful. Well, I don't know. That's just me though. That's how, yeah. Yeah. But and and perhaps what you're what what you're saying, perhaps we're both saying the same thing. You have to do it in a way that is honest from you. Right. So if you were to do if you were to say the exact same words that I said, I mean, you could deliver them. But maybe maybe it doesn't come across as sincere because it's not how you feel. Right. And 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 the, and the reverse is true for me. It's like this is how I feel. We're just going to we're just going to relax. We're going to drop our shoulders. Nobody's going to be stressed out about the fact that there's only one person listening. And we're just going to go ahead and do it. We're going to it's it's OK. And that's why I do it. It's just to make it OK for everybody. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, I, I guess the thing is, I've rarely, if ever seen that done effectively, whereas more more effective to me would be if the leader steps up to the mic and says, we're here. We don't care if there's one or a thousand people. We just are going to do our thing, you yeah. know? And, you know, so that is just, again, it's more like we do our thing, right? That, that to me is your brand. And that to me is your message. Uh, I guess I'm, I guess I can understand what you're saying about acknowledging the elephant in the room. I guess I say, don't acknowledge the elephant in the room, do your thing, you know, let your, let your performance stand for yourself. And that is a greater takeaway. Huh. People walking away from your show saying that was amazing. I mean, those guys played their butts off and they never stopped as opposed to, uh, it, cause then you, you run the risk as 
oh, those poor guys, no one was even paying attention to them and they played their, and their butts off. Sure. Why do you want to run those two concepts together? Right. Why, you know, have it not be about the lack of audience, have it, have the only message be about how great your band is. Make sense. I, I, it does. I hear what you're saying to me. The, the opposite is actually more awkward. And, and so it's, let's not make it awkward. Let's just be okay with it. And, and if I show you that I'm okay with it, then you're going to be, you, there's a much greater chance you're going to be okay with it. And now I've roped you in. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and that's always the thing. And that's the, you know, we've talked about this very different context, but same philosophy is I find it much easier to engage the crowd at acoustic gigs than electric gigs often yeah. because because the volume doesn't create a barrier. Right. Oh, but, true. You know, so it's that same kind of thing, like anything I can do to make it like we're all in this together. That's way better for all of us come the end of the night. So. Well, I would agree with that. Yeah, I think I know. no matter yeah. what you're doing, we're all in this together. I guess I just wouldn't I wouldn't pay it. I wouldn't call it an elephant in the room. Right. I'd be, I'm glad you're here and you know, yeah. sir, you're going to get a private show. And well, see, that's, that, and yeah. that's the kind of thing I would do is yes. Yeah, so you're going to get a private show. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But not like, Oh, the, the crowd goes wild. Yeah. Or, well, oh. I mean, but that, that's my shtick, right? I mean, I would, that's kind of like, I'm a high energy guy. It's just how, you know, a, but yeah, Hey, you acknowledge it in a, in a sincere way and you move on, you have fun with it, make it part of the show. It's all good. Sincere and fun are good words. They are. All right. We have uh, we're going to push push it off till next week. But we have a question about uh, in-ear monitors, soft silicone or hard acrylic. Does it matter? And which one should you get? Listener Dan asks. So we'll uh, we'll make sure to cue that one up for next time. I don't have anything else for today. In fact, we're kind of out of time. Do you have anything before we go, Paul? No, I enjoyed this. Like I said, it was a it was a lot of emotions in a lot of different ways over the course of my gigs. And yeah. it's fun to kind of like just just verbally vomit them out and uh, hear what you have to say about Ver- them. verbal vomit. We need Bad. to be careful that see now that's the thing that people are going to we're going to get a review on iTunes. Their verbal <laughs> vomit drives me insane. <laughs> you know, it really comes down to one thing, Paul, and that's always be performing. No matter always. what, <laughs> even if there's one person in the crowd. That's right. That's right. Because that one person might be videoing it, you know, and then that could wind up in front of a thousand people. That's true.